Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. <laughs> well, good morning. How are y'all doing? Yeah, it's good to be here with you. I want to welcome you, especially if you're new or you're joining us online. We're really glad that you're with us. Today, who here has read the book Charlotte's Web? Oh, classic, right? It's one of the best-selling children's books ever. And I was watching the movie last week with my girls because it happens to be one of Eden's favorites. And I was struck again by the simple yet power, the power in words, in words, how truly life-giving, life-giving they can be. As you remember, uh, it's a simple story about a pig named Wilbur and his friendship with an unlikely friendship with a spider named Charlotte. And when Wilbur finds out that he's only there in the barn to be fattened up for Thanksgiving dinner, Charlotte decides to do whatever she can to save his life. And so she decides to do, she decides to start writing these words in her web. Do you remember that? Some words like some pig and terrific and humble and radiant, words that ascribe worth to Wilbur way beyond his use at the dinner table. (laughs) And she tries to convince the humans how great this pig really is, and they see it as an utter miracle. And in the end, I mean, even the last hours of her life, she ends up saving his. It is a beautiful picture of why the gift we're talking about this weekend is so powerful. Who here wants words of life and encouragement spoken over them? Amen. Who here would love to have someone risk on their behalf to remind you of your worth way beyond what you can produce or do for others, right? We all do because words are powerful. They're powerful. We're in a series right now, like Andrew said, called Empowered, and we are in week three, and I'm really excited about this series because it's all about the Holy Spirit. It's all about who He is, what He does, and how He wants to empower us, but also the fact that the majority of the vineyards across the country, around 400 plus churches, are also teaching this series as well. So right now, they're studying the same topics as we are leading up to Pentecost Sunday, which is just a couple weeks away. So far, we've covered what? Revelation, we've covered baptism, healing last week, and today we're talking about prophecy. And I wanna look at today at not only what it looks like and sounds like to hear God's voice, but what prophecy is, what it's meant for, and how, how we can do it. So let's pray and just invite the Spirit to be with us this morning. Lord, we do just that. Holy Spirit, come. Yeah, we welcome your presence here today, and we ask that you would come and move among us. Would you open our hearts and our minds to you today? We long to know you more, but we also long to bless one another, that we might be all encouraged here today. We give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, now, I love this topic. If you know me at all, I love this topic of hearing God's voice. One of the equipped classes that we teach at the church, I love teaching that class. It is a fun one. 
And it's one of the reasons why I so appreciate being a part of the vineyard, because of its emphasis on being naturally supernatural and that everybody gets to play, right? So we talk all the time here at this church about hearing God's voice. We, you'll hear it a lot. Anyone here think that's just slightly weird? <laughs> You're like, I don't know about that. I mean, maybe for you, maybe you think, I just can't hear from God because I've never heard like an audible voice, you know, telling me from God, like what to do. And, and that that's mainly just for pastors and leaders. They just hear, you know, God. <laughs> or maybe for some of you, if you're honest, you're not sure, or you don't think it's possible even to hear God's voice today. You know, you think, well, that's what happened way back in the Bible times, but I'm not so sure about now. I'm not so sure about now. So maybe for some of you, your past and your history with this whole topic, you've maybe been hurt by this before. Maybe some pastors and leaders claiming to hear from God. So this whole idea kind of makes you hesitant, even resistant. Well, I have some good news for y'all today. I believe that if you have accepted Jesus, you can hear the voice of the Lord. You can hear the voice of the Lord and that you do hear the voice of the Lord. Now, I know some of us think that we never hear the voice of God because we just don't know what to listen for or how to recognize his voice. But I want you to just take a moment right now and think back to when you first accepted Jesus into your life, when you were first saved. Do you remember that feeling? Do you remember what you were thinking? There was something there that led you to him, and it was the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit speaking to you leading you, opening your eyes, opening your ears. We can all hear because we were all created. We were all created to communicate with our creator. We are meant to live in conversational relationship with him. So what does that look like? What does that really look like? Now, I know we, we all want to know that what we're sensing is really God, really God. That's not just another voice in our head, right? It could be the enemy, it could just be us, it could be the pizza we ate last night, you know, it could be the voices of our parents from way back, you know, like it could be lots of different voices in our head. And I know that we wanna know that we know that we know that it's him before we ever risk sharing anything. But I wanna tell you that ideal or that idea of having this big booming voice in your head audibly telling you what to do is just not what we see all the time in the Bible, is it? We see that God actually speaks in a variety of ways, lots of different ways. God is so infinitely creative in the ways that he communicates to us. And one of the main ways that he speaks to us is not an audible voice, but mainly through his word, right? Through the word that he's already written down for us in the Bible. And he also speaks through, through nature. He, he speaks through dreams at night and visions in the day. He speaks through images and impressions. And he speaks through prophetic words like we're going to talk about today. And he speaks through our conscience. And he speaks through maybe preaching or teaching, wise counsel, circumstances, and experiences. And many times, what we're hearing is really that God is speaking to us by putting his words in our minds and in our hearts. That's what we're looking for, his words in our minds and in our hearts. Um, what we've come to realize, as Danny Meyer used to say all the time when we were founding pastors, is that not every thought is our thought and not every feeling is our feeling. And Jeremiah 31, 33, 
It says, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel at the time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor and say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. And then in Joel 2, 28 through 29, it says, and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on what? All people, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God is not excluding anybody from this. Everybody can receive insight from the Holy Spirit. And the fact is that the reason why we don't call anyone a prophet here in the, in, this, in the vineyard movement is even though we believe in it, it's because really everyone hears. Everyone hears. If somebody's really prophetic, we just say things like, he's just really prophetic. <laughs> he just hears the voice of God a lot, you know? That's, that's, that's all we do. Now, I wanna talk about just the best ways that we can do to actually practice this. And one of the best ways we can actually practice this is by praying for one another. One of the best ways we can practice hearing from God is by praying for one another. And that leads us really to our focus today. And I wanna first just settle on defining this word prophecy. I think it's a great place to start. Let's just define the word prophecy. Prophecy, as we know, is just a spiritual gift. It's a spiritual gift. And there are four lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. And I know that Andrew will be touching on them more next week, but in all the lists, guess which one is mentioned all four times? Prophecy, yeah, all four times. And then let's read in 1 Corinthians 14, one through four. And here we're seeing Paul and he's talking about the importance of this gift, of this specific gift. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, what especially prophecy, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, for no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. And I think this text really helps us. It helps to demystify prophecy for us because prophecy is simply hearing from God for others. That's just simply what it is. Prophecy is hearing from God for others. The heart of this passage is that we are all listening and praying for the edification of others, all of us. This is a gift that God can give anyone at any time. It's up to him. It's up to him. And another great definition of prophecy is prophecy means speaking forth a message from God in a known language under the immediate inspiration of the Holy Spirit, under the immediate inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And a prophecy literally means to foretell, to foretell, not to foretell. We're not talking about future telling here. It's speaking forth a message for someone else. Prophecy is a now word from God, speaking God's revelation into the present situation. And so by prophecy, we're not talking about what I'm doing up here. We're not talking about preaching and teaching. We're not talking about the delivery of a pre-prepared message. 
It's not what we're talking about. The mark of, of, of prophecy is spontaneity. And there's an immediacy to the message. That revelation could come in a variety of forms, right? In a form of a picture, or it could come in the form of a dream, or a vision, or a word, or a deep impression, or even just an intersecting thought. Just an intersecting thought. This isn't us trying to come up with something for someone. This isn't on us, is it? It's not on us. This is us hearing or sensing what God wants to do or say by giving us a specific word or picture for somebody else. So then what is the purpose of prophecy? What, what is it really meant to do or what is it meant for? And we read this again in, in verse three, we just read this, but the apostle Paul says, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men and I'll add women for the strengthening encouragement and comfort. Prophecy is one of the most loving and needed gifts God gives the church, okay? Prophecy is one of the most loving and needed gifts in the church. And Paul lays out its main purposes, or what? Strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. We are not adding to the Bible here, okay? I wanna make sure that's really clear. Prophecies, again, are a now word for specific people and specific situations, and that always lines up with what the Bible already says, okay? It always does. If it contradicts the Bible, just throw it out. Don't even share it. <laughs> so when we talk about strengthening, what do we mean? Well, it means to edify people, to build people up. Like, God sees you. God sees you. You are his daughter. You're his son. He sees you and he's so pleased with how you serve your family. He sees you and he's so pleased with how you serve your church. It strengthens a person's faith and it speaks life and value over people. And encouragement, encouragement means to exhort and by exhorting, we mean that sometimes prophecy can have a word of admonition or warning attached to it, a cautionary tone even regarding certain activities. It also means to instill courage, right? To encourage, to put courage in someone. And it sounds like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Keep on going. Persevere in your marriage. Persevere through this trial. Let go of that pattern of behavior. Let go of that. God really does have something better for you. He really does. We frequently need courage put back into us in a way that only God can, in a way that only God can. Comfort, comfort means to console, to console. For example, if someone is suffering, a prophetic word might be, I believe that God wants me to tell you that he sees the pain that you're in. He sees the pain you're in. He knows what you're going through. And God wants me to tell you that he cares about you. He cares for you and he's with you. He is with you. Who here today just needs that word right there? Like we just need to be reminded that God is with us. He is with us and that he sees us. Again, these are God's words over someone. But don't discredit a kind thought or a word of encouragement that comes intersecting in your mind because maybe you think it's just you because you're a really nice person. <laughs> Don't disregard that. Test it with the Lord. Say, was that you, God? 
you want me to say this? You want me to speak that word of encouragement? Especially if it's a person you've never met before that you don't even know. Trust that maybe that's the Lord. Maybe that's the Lord. Sometimes we um, sense that we have a word or a picture that has really strange specifics to it. And there's little nuances and we're always a little timid to share those because it seems so disconnected. We don't know this person. We don't know their story. But I'll tell you what, sometimes that's exactly what we need to say. We need to test it and see if it resonates with that person because what it can do, what it can do is actually really reveal to that person, it is God that's speaking to them because there's no way that person would know that detail. I have a great example of this. It's a story I actually heard recently Um, I wasn't there at the conference, but there was a conference going on and there was a guy, just a regular guy, just sitting in the the congregation and and he kept, at the end of the service, kept getting this picture and he kept hearing these words and he kept getting this picture of a banana, like a banana. He's like, oh yeah, that's weird. And then he kept getting the words, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. And over and over again, like he would just get this picture of a banana and the words, it's going to be okay. And he just couldn't shake it. And so he said, okay, I'm at risk. And he, he came forward and he tested it with the pastors. And for some reason, they let him come up on the stage and actually share that word, which is awesome. Uh, and he did. He was like, I just had this picture of a banana. And the words, it's going to be okay. And the moment he said that, a lady in the audience just started to bawl, just started to cry. Come to find out, this was a, a, a mother. Her son was actually uh, in the military, and he was on a ship lost at sea. And guess what the ship's nickname was? The banana. Yeah, the banana. And a few weeks later, she heard they were all safe. They, They were all okay. They were all okay. Wow. Like, what an incredible word for someone that needed encouragement in that moment, that God wanted to speak to her. I think we all long for words like that, right? Give me the banana, give me the banana. I want those words. Now, one thing that we need to be kind of cautious of is when we're talking about predictive or directional prophecy. And depending on the church you're in, sometimes you'll hear a lot of this, directional and predictive prophecy. Now, prophecy in the New Testament is not mainly predictive. Did you know that? It's very rare that it's predictive. Occasionally, it has that element. But when it comes to directional prophecy, I would say just, I would give you a word of caution, just a little bit of a word of caution, especially if someone is trying to tell you what God wants you to do in, in pertaining to certain, certain directions in your life, things to do in the future. And when it has to do with like, hey, you're gonna go do this and you're gonna tomorrow this and next you know, couple years that. Like be really cautious of words like that. I would even say, don't be intimidated by prophetically gifted people, okay? Don't be intimidated by prophetically gifted people or even a strongly given prophetic word. You still gotta test it with the Lord, right? The vast, vast majority of our guidance will come through our own personal meditation on God's word, through listening prayer, and through the counsel of mature Christian believers, okay? Those are things we can really bank on. God wants you to develop confidence in your own ability to privately hear from God for your life. Because why? We are responsible, every single one of us, for the personal decisions that we choose to make in our lives. Directional prophecy, though good and helpful at times, we need to hold on to that loosely. We need to hold on to that loosely, and we need to ask God to confirm it. 
And it's like, okay, thanks for that. I'll hold on to that. I'll kind of shelve it. And if the Lord wants to bring it back, great. Really, directional prophecy should really only be underlining something God has already said in our lives. What we call it here in the vineyard is the yellow highlighter in our life, right? It's highlighting something that God has already said. It can and many times does confirm and remind us of what God has already been saying in our lives, already been, already been saying in our lives. And you might've heard, heard me share this story before, <clears throat> but I had heard the Lord pretty clearly uh, to call me, call me to be a pastor about 10 years before he ever actually confirmed it. And if I'm honest, the moment that I heard him say, I actually called you to be a pastor, Heather, and if you know the story, I'm not gonna get into it, but I remember that so clearly. I was like, yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's not for me. And I kind of, I did, I just shelved it. I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I had that internal call, but I hadn't had that external call yet. And I think part of it was my own fear and my own obstinance. And I had seen first person what ministry looked like as a pastor's kid. And I knew that I knew that I wasn't about to step into that calling without God confirming it. So it just laid there dormant for years. And I never told anybody, <laughs> never told anyone um, until, until I came to this church. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> thanks guys. No, <laughs> uh, so I wanna say this too. Um, during that time, those 10 years, I did not stop going to church. I did not start running from God. I kept faithfully leading my small group. At that time, I actually went through VLI, which is Vineyard Leadership Institute, because I had this hunch that maybe God was gonna use me in the future. Maybe, I thought maybe missions, you know, I could, I could do that. I really love, love uh, missions. And I, and I was like, well, maybe I'll do that one day. So I had still been preparing, but I wasn't about to admit to anyone what that call actually was. So until I came to this church, some of you might know more of that story, but I, I took a preaching and teaching class at the recommendation of Penny Meyer, one of our founding pastors. And the class God had weirdly and really miraculously provided for a way for me to even be there. And in that class, funny enough, you actually had to prepare a sermon <laughs> and give it to the entire class like a month or two later. And so as a practice run, I decided to give that sermon to my small group at work. And it was a little women's group, about six women. We'd meet at lunch <clears throat> once a week. And so I, I gave that sermon to them for the first time. And when I sat down shakily, you know, nervously, when I sat back down after giving the sermon, my small group leader was sitting right across from me at the table. She pointed at me and she goes, Heather, you are called to do this. I was like, oh, isn't that nice of her? <laughs> She's so encouraging, you know, and just like honestly kind of batted it away. And then about a week later, about a week later, I gave that sermon to my preaching and teaching class of about 15 women. Again, these women were all on staff at churches. They were pastors. They were national speakers. At the time, I was just a graphic designer, not sure what I was doing there. <laughs> but I gave that sermon and I was, I'll just be honest, so nervous because that's just not... I'm used to being behind a computer. I'm not used to being in front of people. So it was, it was really a risk for me. And, and the moment I sat down, again, I was so nervous, I couldn't even hold my water. I was like, yeah, that's not happening. I'm gonna put that back down. And as the moment I sat down, the lady across from me, sitting across from the table, she points at me and she says, I feel like I have a word from the Lord for you. And she just starts crying. And I'm like, this is weird. And she goes, you are called to do this, Heather. You are called to do this. 
And I thought, oh, that's kind of odd. <laughs> This sounds slightly familiar. And still, I was resistant. Still, I was resistant. I stayed at that church、uh, the next day for church on Sunday, and I could tell. I could tell I was still really battling and wrestling with it with the Lord. And so I, I decided to just at least go forward for prayer. And I, I went forward for prayer, and the people praying for me. They just kept looking at me weird. And I was like, what? What are you? And they're like, we just keep sensing that you're saying no and that God wants you to say yes. <laughs> and I just started to bawl. I just, it broke me. It just broke me. And I was like, okay, God, I'm done. I'm done fighting you. I'm done fighting this calling. Okay, I am going to do whatever you want me to do. Whatever you want me to do. And I just laid down all my fears, all my questions, all the cost I knew it would require. And I said, okay, I surrender. I surrender. So that is an example of confirmation, of directional prophecy that's confirmation. That's how it should work. And, and really, really, we just, it just needs to underline something that God's already saying or something that He speaks to you later on and says to you and really confirms. So words should be strengthening, encouraging, comforting, and confirming. So, then practically, how do we do this? I've kind of given you some stories, but how do we really do this? How do we operate in the gift of prophecy? And I want to give you just three things to remember, short and sweet, things to remember. I want you to ask, I want you to test it, and I want you to risk it. I want you to ask, test it, and risk it. First, we ask for it. And again, we read this in, in chapter 14, verse 1. It says, eagerly desire. Gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And we have to start here. We have to start here. This is actually a command, by the way. Do you notice that? Eagerly desire. Like it's not a choice. Like desire it, which means Paul's saying, y'all can do it. I'm not going to command you to do something you can't do. Like y'all can do it. You all can do it. So is this something we actually want, though? Is it something we want? Do you eagerly desire to hear God for others? The word here for eagerly desire in the Greek is elao, which means to burn with zeal, to desire earnestly, pursue, and strive after. What would church be like? We get a glimpse of this at times, but what would church be like if we came every weekend eagerly desiring God to use us to speak to one another? Hey, <laughs> it reminds me actually of the story of Samuel and what he, what he is directed to pray. And in Samuel 3:10, when he was first called, so Eli told Samuel, Go lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. That is a beautiful prayer. Speak for your servant is listening. We need to not only want this gift, but we need to ask for it. Lord, we want to hear you for others in this church. Would you speak? Would you speak? This is why you hear us say all the time in this church, Come, Holy Spirit, because we know it's not on us. We know this is all not on us, that all we need to do is just ask. All we need to do is ask. God loves to use his people to bless his church. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. 
I love the whimsical truth of what Dr. Dorian in Charlotte's Web actually says. He says, it's quite possible that an animal has spoken to me and that I didn't catch the remark because I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) How true is that of hearing God's voice, right? Of hearing God's voice. Are we paying attention? Are we paying attention? I think that's why I get words and pictures when I'm quiet when I'm silent, when I dial down, or even when I'm worshiping, because I'm finally not thinking about myself. <laughs> My attention is on God, and I'm more aware, right? I'm, I'm in that position of listening. I was uh, actually worshiping last week, last weekend here at church, and uh, listening to Andrew's talk on healing, which was so good. And, and at the end, while we were worshiping, I was asking God, I said, do you have anything you want me to say or anything that you want me to pray for specifically today? And, and I, got, I thought I got two things and they were kind of fuzzy, just like little thoughts that popped in my mind. And it was pictures actually. It was a picture of like skin and it had just these brown kind of spots on it. And, and I, was, it had just sensed, I would just sense that it was like skin cancer. And I'm like, well, I don't know if that's you, Lord. I'll just kind of move that one off to the side. And then I was like, anything else, Lord? You know. And, and then I had this picture of, of eyes like darkening and this word kept coming to mind. And I was like, that's not it, Lord. I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing, I kept thinking immaculate degeneration. Is that the word? Immaculate? That doesn't sound, I'm not sharing that. <laughs> and I was like, this is not right. I know it isn't. And then I asked God, do you really, do you even want me to share these words up front? I mean, I don't have to. And he's like, no, you don't. Just be willing to pray for people. I really sensed that I was just supposed to be willing to pray for people. I was like, okay, I can do that. I'm okay with that. And, and you guys, I just have to say, you guys, people started coming forward for prayer uh, last weekend and you guys were on it. You were on it. Like way, way to go church because every time someone would come forward to prayer and I would go like this, somebody would like zoom up and like start praying for them. And I'm like, oh. and, then, and then somebody else would walk up and, I, and they would just zoom up and like start praying for them. I'm like, okay, this is really great. Like go church, but like, <laughs> what's going on? I thought you wanted me to pray for somebody. And, and then right there at the end of the, the last song, right at the end, this couple came forward and I was like, God, oh, there's my chance. And so I like zoomed up and, and I went over and I started praying for, for the lady and, and her husband was getting prayer for some, from somebody else. And so I simply said, hey, like, how could I pray for you? And she said, well, this week, um, I went to the doctor and he took uh, a skin sample of, of you know, my face because there's some dark spots and he's curious if it's skin cancer. And I'm like, and she says, oh, and you can pray for macular degeneration. I'm like, that's the word. <laughs> and she goes, because I have that too. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And she's like, what? <laughs> and I said, you will not believe what two pictures God just gave me. Those exact two things. I was like, let's pray. Let's pray. I mean, we both walked away from that blessed that day. God had seen her and he knew exactly what she was facing. And he brought her a prophetic word, pictures for comfort, for her comfort and hopefully healing. Amen. Well, what if we truly lived and we operated this way? The church just wasn't something that we did or went to, but it was our very lifeblood. I encourage you, when you walk into church, ask. Ask God, what do you want to do today, God? How might you want to use me today, God? Even say the prayer that we heard Samuel pray, speak for your servant is listening. And second, what we want to do is we want to test it. 
want to test it. It's pretty important. We need to know if what we're hearing is from God, right? And uh, if we should even share what we're sensing. Uh, we read in, in, uh, later in 1 Corinthians, in that chapter 14 and verse 29, two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. Isn't that cool? Weigh carefully what is said. When we hear prophecies, whether we hear something for someone or from someone else, we can't just take those words and run with it. We can't be like, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. So I'm gonna take that. No, we gotta test it first. We've gotta test it first. Restraint is good because it helps us to rely on God, right? And not our own wisdom to understand what's going on. It, it causes us to pause and to ask him what he's up to, what he's doing, if that's him. When I send something from the Lord, <clears throat> I don't immediately run to people and tell them, thus saith the Lord. You know, I <laughs> that's not wise. We wait and we test it. Are you really telling me this, God? Are you really telling me this? Do you really want me to share this? Is this for me? Hmm. Is this for me? Or is this for a specific person? Highlight them, Lord. Who is this for? Or is this for everyone? Is this for the congregation? Those are great questions, great questions to ask. Some more other questions that we just touched on. Is it strengthening? <laughs> is it encouraging? And is, is it comforting? Those are really important. Those are really important. And does it line up with scripture? Right? That's another one. Does it line up with scripture? These are essential questions that we need to ask. I had a picture for someone a couple weeks ago, actually, and it was not encouraging at all. <clears throat> it was actually kind of a weird and scary picture. I'm like, yeah, I'm not sharing that. <laughs> That's like weird. And it kept coming back to mind during worship. And he just kept highlighting the specific person and this really weird picture. And I'm like, yeah, but it kept coming back. So I asked, I said, Lord, what does that mean? What does that mean? I'm still not gonna ask it. I'm still not gonna tell her, <laughs> what does it mean? <clears throat> and immediately I had this reminder of this verse about Paul, about Paul and a similar thing that had happened to him. And I remember how when it happened to him, then he was able, out of this kind of traumatic event that happens to him, he's able to lead the entire village to the Lord. Like everyone comes to know the Lord because of it. And I sensed the Lord say, he wanted the same for her. He wanted the same for her. And so I took a risk and I did, I shared it. And I said, you know, I know this might sound really weird, <laughs> but I had this picture and I felt like the Lord said that he would take what has been hard and slightly traumatic in your life and he would use it to bring the gospel to lots of people. I was like, and then I asked the hardest question of all. I said, does that resonate with you at all? It's okay if it doesn't. It really is okay if it doesn't, but does that resonate with you at all? And she actually said, uh-huh. And I go, okay, well, I don't need the specifics. Can I just pray a blessing over you? Because again, I don't need to know all the details. I'm not there to, to know all the juicy details. I'm there to bless what God wanted to do and say. So I just prayed a blessing over her, invited the Holy Spirit. And it was a really sweet exchange. And really when, if God hadn't have given me that scripture to back it up and that encouraging word as an interpretation, I probably wouldn't have shared it because we're not supposed to be speaking things over one another that's not encouraging, comforting, and strengthening, right? So we need to remember that we are limited in what we hear 
And sometimes we can get it absolutely wrong at times, and that's okay. I mean, the Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 13 that in this present age, we know in part and we prophesy in part. For now, we only see a reflection as in a mirror. I've been wrong a lot of times. <laughs> I have been wrong a lot of times. But in that moment, I always determine that it's not gonna stop me from blessing that person. Even if I totally get it wrong, I still have an opportunity to bless them and to just invite the Holy Spirit to, to come. And again, this isn't about us, right? This whole thing isn't about us. Failure does not mean that we're somehow bad Christians. It does not mean that we're bad Christians. Failure just means sometimes we ate weird pizza last night, right? That's the saying we say a lot because it gives us an out. You know, in the New Testament, we don't have to worry about being stoned, right? Because we got a prophetic word wrong. That, thankfully, that's not the case because we're not adding to scripture here. That's what they did back in the Old Testament, but boy, that's not what we do today. We're doing a now word for a specific person in a specific moment. So we just say, hey, uh, that's okay, totally okay. Thanks for letting me share that. We take God very seriously in this church, but we do not take ourselves seriously, right? We do not take ourselves seriously. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22, do not quench the spirit. Guys, that is so important. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Be open, but test it. Test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. If you ever get a word that is not strengthening, encouraging, or comforting, maybe you just need to pray about it more. Maybe you just need to pray about it more. Maybe that's, maybe God is sharing some information about that person, not so that you can tell them, but so that you can pray for them. So that you can pray for them. You can intercede for them. Maybe you never tell that person what God showed you or revealed to you. Maybe you just continue to pray over them. Um, in, the, you know, in, the, in the future, you just keep praying. And, and maybe sometimes we just have to ask God what it means. Like that story I just shared. God, show me what it means. Because if you don't confirm it, that it's scriptural, and that it's encouraging, I'm not gonna share it. Uh, here at VCDC, we test words before they're shared up front. Did you know that? We always test words. And many times, even when I'm preparing a sermon for the weekend, I test my impressions about what ministry time should look like with other pastors. And there will be times that you might even come forward and you share a word with one of our pastors and, and, and maybe they'll direct you to say a certain part or and, and leave out another section to keep it really short and sweet. Because a lot of times in the scripture, prophetic words are very short. They're not long, they're very short. Um, and sometimes the pastor will say, hey, could I share that myself? Because it actually kind of goes along with the word that I got too. And, and, and then sometimes they, they'll just say, thank you for sharing that, but we're not gonna share that today. And that's okay, that's totally okay. But I would say that we are pretty allowing in this church we are pretty loud. We don't do that very often because we really want to foster our culture of risk. And we want to give people room and we want to really give room for the Holy Spirit to work, right? But it is the job of the pastors to discern and really to protect. And let me say this too. The front of the auditorium, the stage and the microphone isn't special. It isn't anything special. And that isn't actually where we mainly practice or test prophetic words. It should be in our small groups. 
right? It should be in our small groups and it should be in one-on-one prayer with other people. That's where we really learn to hear God's prophetic voice for others. That's where we really learn, in those small and faithful places. Now, lastly, my last point is risk it, but there's a caveat here, (laughs) and it's risk it carefully, carefully. John Wimber's famous quote is, as we know, faith is spelled R-I-S-K, risk, and it can take a lot for us to risk even possibly being wrong. But I promise the more that you do it and the more that you realize this really isn't on me. (laughs) This really isn't on me. This is all on God. And sometimes he is so pleased by our own willingness to risk for him and others. Even when we get it wrong, it still benefits our faith. It still benefits our faith. Now, we've talked a lot about risk already, but I want to end today on how to risk carefully and not cautiously, but with care. How we deliver the words and pictures that we sense really matters, really matters. And we've looked at 1 Corinthians 14 a lot today. And what is that famous chapter right before this one? You remember? 1 Corinthians 13 And it is the love chapter. And we read actually in verse two, if if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have what? Love, I am nothing. I am nothing. That's why in verse one of chapter 14, the first words are follow the way of love. Guys, that just paved, paved a trail for us and we've got to keep following it. It has to be on that pavement of love that we continue on in these gifts. And as Andrew talked about last week, Jesus himself was moved with compassion toward people in need all the time. Does your heart break for the things that breaks God's heart? You know, I love this quote from John Wimber. He says, the test of spiritual maturity is not the ability to speak in tongues or prophesy or memorize scripture. It is the ability to love God and others. Learning to serve others by loving the unlovely, the less fortunate, the lost, and the broken. This is the highest call that we would fulfill our purpose on earth, amen. Well, here's a couple helpful tips in closing, okay? A couple helpful tips. When you are praying for someone and you're getting an opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit, just simply ask. Start with the ask. Say, Holy Spirit, come. Would you just help me to hear you right now? And then maybe even tell that person, hey, we're gonna wait in a moment for, uh, you know, of silence. So they're just not like, what is she doing? Like, why are we just standing here? Like, is she gonna say anything? Just let them know. Like, say, hey, like, we're just gonna wait in a moment of silence. And in that moment, brief moment, ask the Lord, say, God, do you have anything for this person? Do you have any? And then when you feel like you sense something, say, you know what, I got, just say that. I, I got this sense or this word or this picture and then just briefly describe it. You don't need lots of words. Sometimes we over-describe what we get because we're nervous that it's not right. Eh? I do that. (laughs) I need to make sure that what I'm saying is brief and that it's just what God wants me to say. And then 
if you sense an interpretation, say, I wonder, I wonder if the Lord might be saying this to you today. You don't need to say, God is saying this to you now, or thus saith the Lord. It doesn't need to be overdone. We can be totally naturally supernatural. I think God loves when we are just really, really just gentle about how we approach people and kind. Then also, then we can ask them the question that is the hardest one to ask, which is, does that resonate with you or not? Does that resonate with you or not? And wait for their response. And then if it's, if it's not, say, okay, well, can I still bless you and pray for you? But if it is, then pray for that. Pray for whatever it is that the Lord was showing you and invite him to come in that situation or area of their life. Bless them and then thank him for letting you pray for them. It can be as simple as that. It doesn't have to be overdone. You know, we risk in, the ch- in this church, but we need to do it with care, with, ju- with graciousness, with respect, and with humility. Because what, th- what does that do when we start to do it that way? It starts to demystify prophecy for everyone. Like if, hey, if, if Joe can come over and just give me that word so chill and like matter of fact, and just like, hey, what do you think? Then maybe I could do that too. Maybe I could do that too. VCDC, will you ask for words of prophecy? Will you ask? And will you test it accordingly? And will you risk it carefully for the kingdom of God and for the encouragement of this church? Words are powerful, but God's words are life itself. Life itself. Amen. Amen. Well, as the worship team comes back up, I want to close with this. God's purpose is to bless the world through partnering, partnering with people. And Ted Kim, another senior pastor in the Vineyard Movement says, in fact, our belief, I think, is that the church, and the church's belief too, is that the hopeful future of the church is where everybody's hearing from God for one another. If you've come to church and you have thought, you know what, I really wanna hear from God. Would it surprise you that the way that he might want you to hear from him is actually through the person sitting next to you. Or that God might use you to speak to somebody else. And if you can honestly say that you have never heard the voice of God before, I would, I would just invite you to do that right now for the very first time, for the very first time. Would you ask Jesus to come into your life? I know that he wants to speak to you. I know he does. And he wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit right now. So would you even just right now pray with me if that's you? Just say, Jesus, come into my life by the power of your Holy Spirit. Just come right now. Would you open the eyes of my heart so that I can see you? And would you open my ears that I could hear you? And would you forgive me for living a life apart from you on my own terms? And would you show me how to follow you day by day from here on out? Amen. Well, if you prayed that today, Boy, we want to bless that. Would you let one of us know? Let someone know, and we would love to pray for you. For the rest of us, let's go ahead and stand. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to go back into a time of worship. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.